Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. This obviously is the, the Henry fan club, and we should mention he wore a tie, which was an absolute touch. How did you, you ever get close to wearing a tie in the tent? No, not at all. I mean, I, the first couple of weeks, it's definitely it's definitely chilly. I, I did invest in some thermal underwear for the first week. <laughs> but no, not a tie. And um, I think um, after that, when it starts to warm up a bit, it, it, you wouldn't want to wear one, would you? Well, hello and welcome back to the second episode of The Bake Down here, dissecting the week that was in the Bake Off tent. I'm the founder of Bake with the Legend, Josh Laddie. Once again, I'm delighted to be joined by former contestants Jane Beadle and Howard Middleton. Howard, week two on Bake Off. It feels like the country's woken up. Bake Off's back. It feels like the summer's sort of ending. That's the only negative of, of being back into the swing of, uh, of Bake Off, wouldn't you say? Oh, I don't think the summer's ended. No, I think that's the wonderful thing about Bake Off. It just keeps it going that bit longer, doesn't it? It is eternal Bake Off summer. I'm just thinking people have gone back to school this week. It, it just feels that's what I was thinking, Jane. Oh, yes. Oh, I, I don't know. It's really difficult. I When I think of Bake Off, I think of summer. I think, mm. uh, I think because it's filmed earlier on in the year. Yeah, no, it doesn't make me sad at all. I'm just very happy to have it back on the box again. Absolutely. So are we. So yeah, it, two down, eight to go in terms of uh, the episodes for this year. We asked you to get in touch with us at uh, the Bake Down at bakewithalegend.com and many of you have been sending in your thoughts and comments. So thank you for that. We'll come on to a few of them later in the show. Just Howard, in terms of week two, you've obviously in your mindset, I'm assuming, relieved you've got past week one when you're a contestant because no one wants to go first. How much prep did you get from sort of getting home after week one and doing a bit of prep for week two? But then are you thinking in your head, well, you want to do a bit of prep for what you think might be coming in, in week three and four? And it's worth remembering, actually, your order of the, the weekly themes was a little bit different. You had bread in week two to go home and prepare for. Yeah, and I think it's it's difficult when, when you, during the week, knowing what you can actually do in terms of preparation. I think it's... You've you've obviously prepared the recipes in advance, 
but actually trying to find time, particularly if you're working full time, trying to find time during that week to do some some preparation. And, and I tried, I suppose, I remember uh, at one point trying to get ahead of myself with some of the future weeks. And eventually it sort of catches up with you and you think, oh, I'm, I'm just snowed under here and just clarify you were working for the council at the i was time. at the time so you, yeah you you've left the tent on a sunday night you've yeah. gone back to sheffield yeah were you in work on monday morning yes exactly and and trying to think well in, in actual fact i tried to book a day off during the week to do a bit of practice but it's hard it's really really hard and particularly if when you take that day off let's say it's a wednesday and you're doing a bit of practice during the week and stuff goes badly, It's you sort of think, is it worth me going this weekend? You know, can I really do it again? Oh, it's interesting. that I mean, just, just Jane, then for you, it, was it different? You had your own business and the gardening. I know you did some of your recording also during the week. So how did you find the balance of, of doing your preparation? For me, it was a lot easier than for a lot of other people because I could choose when to work and when not to work. But I think for everybody... The gap between filming and then going home and then coming back again isn't always the full week that everybody sees because they have to, they have to juggle their schedules. Um, they have to juggle to suit crew and the judges. Maybe they're doing something else. So I think our worst one was we got home on a Sunday night and then were back down there at the hotel on the Tuesday evening to be filming Wednesday morning. So there was absolutely no time to be doing any practice that was extreme and it was never again was it as bad as that and I don't know whether they've changed that but there isn't much time to practice you know to be realistic a a television program has to be shot at certain times to suit certain things and they're on a very very tight schedule Um, and we are just part of that schedule so we're all in the same boat that's the nice thing. Absolutely, everyone's you know got yeah. to deal with the, yes, the same circumstances. Have, yeah. I guess that's the uh, that's the positive. Um, we've had a few questions in, as I mentioned, from some of the listeners. Um, Veronica Howard, she wants to know who does the washing up. That's the that's Veronica's <laughs> question. She's she's fascinated to know who does washing up. I presume it's not you. It, it's not you. Uh, in one sense, I, it's quite it, it's interesting because there's everybody's. Uh, most, most people have got a, a sink at the end of their, their workstation. And uh, the idea is that you're supposed to put your washing up in the sink and then somebody miraculously comes along, sort of scoots along the the, uh, the surface of the tent and takes whatever is in the, uh, in the sink and takes it into the back and washes it up, uh, which is lovely because it is like having little kind of pixies that, that take your washing <laughs> up away. Um, the problem is that quite often you will use something and then five minutes later you think, oh, I could do with that again. And it's now gone in the back being washed up. So I I tended uh, as much as possible to try and do my own washing up, just sort of rinse it through. Because it may, it may be gone for a good 10, 15 minutes and then you're hanging, hanging around waiting for this bowl or spoon or whatever to come back from the... Uh, from the back of the tent. Well, I was I was saying ingest the idea you're doing washing up. Amazing no, dedication, nice sometimes. to bake and do a bit yeah. of washing up. Jane, were you in the same camp there, doing a bit of your own washing I, up? Well, I did if I really needed it. Uh, I think when I look back, I was really messy and terrible at caramels. I think I mentioned in the last podcast. So 
the poor lady who did the washing up, she does most of it, doesn't she? Um, must have had about six caramel encrusted saucepans of mine on on one episode, I think, on one bake. I I didn't do too much. I, I, I just sort of handed it over and then you did find on a really complicated bake that all the bowls at the back of the tent will have been used yeah. so we could go and help ourselves. That, um, that lady's probably problems. thinking, I hope Jane goes in week one or week two <laughs> week three <laughs> and she got all the way to week ten. Oh, you've, no, uh, we've got ruined it for week. Um, so that's the question about who washing up. The washing up is is done by someone who you just never see on camera. Uh, of course, that's, yeah. that's the answer. Um, Jane, um, we've had a question in from Rebecca who emailed the bakedown at bakewithalegend.com. Um, she wants to know about your, your application journey to get onto Bake Off. So is it that you do an application in writing? Do you have a phone call? What what happens? I think technically we're supposed to keep it quiet, what the application, the, the, the whole audition process is. But yes, if you're interested in applying... Do look for the application form. It's probably online already. It is. I've, uh, I've seen it advertised looking for people from next year. It's about as long as your arm. And, and you can see the sorts of questions they're asking you and what you need to have practised. I obviously that you can't be an expert at all of it and don't be put off. But for my first year, I thought that one photo of a bake would be enough to get me through. I applied three times. I think many of the good bakers do. I think Nancy applied three times. I think, well, yeah, well, I think so. And Candice certainly applied more than once. But it'll give you a good indication of what you should have s- some expertise in. Um, I would say, given Paul's there, you always need bread. And it's a very long, but don't be put off by it because they're, each year they're looking for something else. So you might put an answer in one year that they were unimpressed by that would then be what they're looking for the next year um just give it a go i would say but yeah download it and start filling it in and taking pictures of your bakes which is very important okay so we've got the application process and then presumably i know you don't want to say too much but there's a you you might if you develop through that process get invited to to come to some audition days and eventually it's whittled down to to 12 Yes, you, they, they'll interview you first to see whether actually you can speak because it's very important to have somebody that... You can have a camera in your face the whole to, time. Yeah, exactly. And they, they don't want you clamming up all the time. Um, and then, yes, you you have to take some bakes off to auditions. So you get interviewed about that and, and, yeah, you do a lot of that and then you'll do a bake with them um, just to make sure that actually you haven't just taken your mum's cake along every yeah. time. Howard, did you apply more than once? Was that your first attempt? No, it was my first attempt. And I think I, think I was quite naive, actually, because I think um, had I perhaps practice certain things a bit more I think I could have done done better so I would I would certainly make sure that all the I I was pretty good at at kind of cakes and bread and pastry but not so good at kind of more complicated techniques and I think if you if you give yourself a bit more time to do some of that practice before you apply um, it's better really. Okay, the final question we've had that we've got time for today. Um, ben wants to know, have you ever met a Bake Off star from another country? Because, of course, Bake Off has, has gone all around the world um, with huge success in, in so many different countries. Have you ever come across or been contacted maybe online by, by someone from a, a different country? Jane, anyone ever reached out to you? No, uh, to be honest, I don't. I wouldn't know 100% because there are American Bake Off people and we all have a big following from the US. Um, but whether any of them have been on Bake Off, they haven't made themselves known. So I haven't met one. 
Interesting. Uh, how would anyone... Uh... I think I might have got some Facebook friends and <laughs> people who might have been on... on in America. In America yeah. and, and other countries, yeah. So uh, I'm pretty sure I have. We should we should mention this American thing because even at Bait with Legend classes, we're always amazed by the amount of American visitors we have here who want to come to the baking classes led by yourselves and, and other Bake Off alumni. It, it's on... Presumably it was on a few years after. I think it was on PBS. And I think what was very interesting, I saw an announcement that this year Netflix is showing it in America just a few days after it's aired in the UK, which is a really exciting development for those who, you know, from the 2019 series. But was yours, did you find sort of, you, you, did you get tweets like three years later from people in America yeah. going, oh, you've had a great second week, Howard. I can't wait to see I'm, you next I week. I know. And it's so bad because you know how it's going to end. And you think, oh, that's really nice. I'm really glad you're still really Rooting for me, I can't tell you that I'll go out next week. But, yeah. <laughs> well, that's a, it's a lovely thing. And Jane, you, you get comments, certainly comments from America. I get comments viewers. from America. And actually, a few weeks ago, I was visiting my daughter who lives in Barcelona at the moment. And I just scanned my passport and the doors that open into this awful holding pen that is um, the terminal that I, I was using. And there's this voice bellowed out American going I know you you're from that baking show and and I turned around and went oh hello and smiled and she clearly was so embarrassed about it she avoided me for the rest of the oh. <laughs> rest of the wait in so I think it's absolutely lovely I love the fact that social media enables us to talk to some of these wonderful people in the US who are brilliant yeah, I mean, not, not only did 15 or so million people watch your final, is now, you know, people around the world that were able mm-hmm. to, uh, to tune it. Is- Do you know they had it on, I think, it, I think it was on British Airways. It was actually one of the things that you could wow. have watched last year. And I thought that would have been bizarre, sitting next to somebody who was watching you baking in a tent. That would have been very strange. <laughs> You'd have been watching them, watching you in a tent. <laughs> and hoping that they wouldn't recognise you. <laughs> and then being served a little bit of cake as your dessert, possibly, on... On British Airways. <laughs> week two was, of course, Biscuit Week. So, <sighs> Janie, in your series, Biscuit Week was week two. Howard, your week five was the Biscuit in Trays week. So you had sort of different experiences there. But, Jane, just coming to you for your week two, you you in your week made flower pot iced biscuits. You then had to do 12 uh, Viennese Whirls and you had to make a gingerbread scene. How do you remember your biscuit week, Jane? Somebody said, I don't remember who it was this week, said that it's the worst week. Oh, it it's awful having to do gingerbread structures. It's just awful. Um, and iced biscuits. I'd never iced a biscuit in my life. So to then do that and hope I was going to get it all done. Actually, I then had to do it at the Christmas special last year. So I was a little bit better at it then. Um but, oh, Biscuit Week, can we just do nice biscuits rather than iced ones or ones you stick together? I just, no, Biscuit Week doesn't really do it for me. And I think they had a really, really hard time of it this week. I felt so sorry for them. Howard, it, it was Michael, I think, who they showed the clip of saying that Biscuit Week is, is the one that perhaps people aren't looking forward to. Do you, do you agree with that? I mean, I'm just looking back at, at, at the notes here from, from your week. You had a breakfast tray, 18 twills, um, and a Japanese pagoda tea tower was your, your showstopper. Oh, yes, I remember that. I, I mean, I'd, I, 
again, I, I, I think because you're mixing with, with fellow bakers, I definitely went in, if people get the opportunity to see that episode, um, I definitely went into Biscuit Week with a hangover. <laughs> oh, I was so green. Terrible. And What had uh, been happening that week or the night before? I would just, just drinking with bakers. Who was your fellow drinker that you were... Because oh. you mentioned in the last episode you liked drinking. <laughs> I, um, it was um, Christine uh, Wallace. Was, sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and Glenn. Yeah. We, we were the ones who tended to kind of prop up the bar a little bit too late into the night. And uh, Christine, I, I will be forever grateful for introducing me to paracetamol with caffeine. Uh, I remember try. I remember it really helped that morning. But I, I, I love went, the idea that there's like a a producer in their late twenties who has to come and pat you on the shoulder at about one a.m. on a Friday night and go, Howard, I think you've had you enough. Need to I go think to you bed. need to go to yeah, bed. Is that I what happened? I, well, I think I think they probably left us to it. Um, <laughs> they should have done that. I'm pretty sure they should have done that. I think it was uh, remiss of them not to. Um, were there any others you were trying to get to come along to the drinks? You thought, well, they look a bit good. We need to get them a no, bit drunk No, I, I didn't see it as a competitive thing. And I think that's the danger, isn't it? When you stop seeing it as a competitive thing and you just allow um, your drinking habits to take <laughs> over. But right. I'd, 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 oh, that, that tray bake they absolutely hated. And the tweel I came bottom in that technical challenge. Did you so, really? Yeah. I must, I'm going to have to watch that again. So I, it was all resting on on. I mean, it was all resting on a biscuit tower. What a dramatic phrase! <laughs> yeah. I love that. Jane, talk it talk it through. Signature: twelve decorated chocolate biscuit bars, two and a half hours. They were asked for one Ooh. biscuit element coated in chocolate, and they wanted to be beautifully decorated. And, and Paul made a real point of, of talking about getting the right texture for the chocolate. Is that a challenge you'd have you'd have looked forward to? Is that is no? That it would not it would all? not have been one no. that I would have looked forward to. I I I can't imagine many people have done their own chocolate coated biscuits. It's not something you sit at home thinking, I know what I'm going to do this weekend. I'm going to make some lovely chocolate coated biscuits. I mean, most of us really struggle with tempering chocolate. It is a it's a really difficult thing. Um, and dealing with chocolate, I don't know what the weather would have been like. Week two, it probably yeah. was cooler. So probably better than a, a further down um, the series when the weather get, gets warm. I think it was a really hard challenge, I think interesting that a lot of them went a couple of them went for marshmallow filling um i thought that was interesting that was making life difficult for them um nougat was something that then came up i thought that was i thought that was an interesting choice because nougat in a biscuit bar actually could have gone very chewy i think um, Amelia got away with it. Um, lovely ideas, but actually making life very difficult for themselves. I think they did well. I think the problem is two and a half hours, you've got to get things cooled. If you're going in with a, a warm caramel, and and I know I make caramel at Bake With A Legend classes and yeah, ones that don't actually coat the pan and ruin the saucepan. But um, yes, I can actually make caramel I've outside seen it happen, of the tent. Jane, Jane you have seen it happen. But actually caramel. trying to get it to cool in the time is really difficult. And then you're going to put chocolate in. So I think a lot of them were understandably ambitious. Um, 
But it, I thought it was a very hard challenge for second week. Um, Howard, what would you have gone for, do you think, here? Would you have gone sort of sh- shortbread, number of contestants went shortbread or gingerbread? Where, what direction would you have taken this in? I don't know. It's, it's quite interesting. I'd, I'd probably have done a kind of buttery biscuit, whether it would have been a shortbread um, or not. I'm not sure. Or, or as you say, it could have been a gingerbread in there. I, I think they were probably told, I don't think it was it was particularly made clear, but I think they were probably told that there needed to be a number of different elements mm. within the bars. Um, and so I think that's why they were trying to introduce other things as well as biscuit and chocolate. Mm. I think they probably needed at least one other element in there. Um, one thing that I had to google was ruby chocolate um i didn't know a huge amount about ruby chocolate is that something you've you've come across ever done in some baking with i've never done any baking with it the only the only thing is i know m&s had a uh, a ruby chocolate easter egg this year so it was a, a new one to me up so until for, for listeners i mean I, I had to look this up but it's marketed as a fourth type of chocolate alongside dark milk and white made from ruby cocoa beans and described as sweet yet sour have you, have you tasted it i have it? tried oh. it actually I, I i was demonstrating at a food festival and there was a lady who lives locally to me who is a chocolatier is that the right word hmm. anyway but yes yeah, she makes she makes chocolates um and she was demonstrating this ruby chocolate and i thought it was a really interesting flavor sour i wouldn't say it was sour i would say it almost has a natural raspberry hint it was it was lovely it was a really delicious chocolate and they don't do anything to it they don't add any flavoring to it it's just naturally how it comes from these beans which have been bred especially for this chocolate it's worth getting hold of i think it's really expensive um but it's a very pretty color it's quite a natural pink color um and not as sweet as white okay um, well, i love white chocolate but it can be very sweet i look forward to, to nipping to uh m&s did you say and uh, and tasting it howard is it oh you said there was an easter egg easter egg i think they probably sold oh, well, it i'll bring some in for next week's podcast <laughs> that'll Josh, be great we had howard the first example uh, in this year's series where one contestant sort of well went over to help another michelle was desperately trying to help jamie with his biscuits in the, in the last couple of minutes and that was a, in a moment i enjoyed from this week's episode I think I think that is lovely. I I remember that happened when I was doing the Christmas special a few years ago. Um, that people do kind of rally round, um, but it, it's it's not always encouraged, is it? So I think the fact that bakers feel strong enough to say, no, I'm going to come and give you a hand with this. It just shows some of the camaraderie. Really. When you say it's not encouraged, yeah. what what do you mean by that? Just for the listeners, I I think um, I suppose to a certain extent you are meant to concentrate on your own bake, you know. So I think uh, particularly uh, during a technical challenge, it would certainly be frowned upon if you went and assisted somebody else. But... And, yeah, it's interesting. Again, that's something we were talking about, wasn't it? I, I think with the technical, certainly for our year, if anybody even whispered to the person in front or behind, we were told there was no conferring. Um, I, I noticed this year, actually, they are asking each other questions in the technical. Mm. But we were told our year, and I was talking to Richard from... Oh, Richard Burr. Years? Yeah, Richard Burr from... It's Wednesday, yeah, Nancy's year. Um, the fifth series, I believe. Is it? For, so I, yeah. I'm sorry, I lose all the numbers of the series. Because we were told at one point, uh, you know, just rein it back a bit. Don't forget it's a competition. And Richard said, yeah, they, they were told the same because everybody's trying to help. But I think the lovely thing about Bake Off 
I don't think it always happens in every series, but in many series, you want to succeed or survive um, on the strength of your own bake. You don't want to survive because somebody has dropped their tray of biscuits on the floor or hasn't got it all on a plate when you could have helped them. Um, I don't think you... You're such a close-knit group that you don't want people to fail. You never want anyone to go home. So if somebody needs a bit of help just getting some something on a plate then um you will i think just quickly how were there any that leapt up to you? i mean rosie's uh, virgin mojito biscuit bars got some good praise uh prue said she, she loved them um michelle's bakewell bars were, were told that they were sort of unique exquisite so any that leapt out to you i, d- I must have I, oh, i'm gonna sound terrible aren't i like i'm an alcoholic or something but i i really loved the sound of of michael's uh lemon and rosemary ones that were inspired by stratford gin so yeah okay. but he left the gin out didn't he oh and he put gin, no, in, he put the gin in the icing that's right yes. Yeah. Gin in the icing. But they, they did say it was perfect blend of flavours, even though his marshmallow wasn't quite right. And chunky but neat, which is something we all aspire to be, Well, that's really, me. That's it? me, Howard. <laughs> chunky but neat. That's the feedback you're after. You're on to a road to style baker with a bit of feedback like that. Technical challenge. Uh, it was to make 12 fig rolls. I mean, just quickly give us your, your experiences of making fig rolls. I don't think that's something you had to do in the tent. Is that, Jane? No, no. I've never made a fig roll. No. In fact, I've... I think I have eaten very few fig rolls in my life. I love figs, dried or fresh, but it's, I always find them, they're a bit soft. They always seem a bit stale to me. It's just not one of my favourite things. So my experience of fig rolls is... Uh, limited. Very limited, yeah. Um, Howard, um, they were given 90 minutes and they were told it was very important to be accurate um, and that they had to make 12 um, altogether. And, of course, another classic almost bake-off, Helena managed to only make 11 Yes. I don't know That's what she does. It is a good effort. I mean, you can sort of understand doing that if you if you're doing something like little buns that uh you know and one doesn't come out or something. But I don't know how she managed to do there that. There was almost a moment it looked like she was looking in the oven as yeah, if she might have left it, it somewhere. <laughs> I like the idea they've stopped recording and eventually someone's found it. Um, but also, it's really hard if you're cutting something into equal uh, equal measures to cut eleven and not twelve. I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, there was. I, it's I'm the str- tent. <laughs> of course, we had the moment where it looked like you know there was only six prepared, and then of course, if you're cold, cut those in half. At least you got your you twelve. Got 12 but uh, yeah. how did you get eleven? I, I'm not sure. And and Jane, Jamie went for this egg washing, which um, Paul wasn't wild about in the end. <laughs> The thing is with the technical challenge is they're quite mean. They will give you stuff on your bench that you don't necessarily need. Oh, that's interesting. Um, Deliberately. Well, I don't know whether they deliberately, but you do. So you you have to have a bit of knowledge. Is that corn flour? Is that something else? I remember putting load of salt it also they don't measure it out for you and sometimes you think that they have and i i had to start again in a technical because i'd put too much salt in always taste it because you can really taste it so i think he probably thought well why have i got an extra egg they're trying to catch me out yeah i'm going to egg wash my my fig rolls and he's probably of an age where he's never seen a fig roll bless him i mean it used to be that something your granny would turn out on a saturday oh come around lovely to see you have a fig roll um he's probably never seen one 
Right. Okay. So, twenty-year-old Jamie there with his egg wash fig roll that um, that didn't really go for him. Um, I think his description was like a sausage roll and tough. That was the yes. feedback he got. He ended up coming eleventh. Only Helena's were worse, and that was a well. She made eleven, and uh, and and they looked awful. Had you, had she made eleven beautiful ones, she might have found herself a bit higher up, Howard. Maybe. Yes, exactly. I think, but I, I think it's hard to know what a beautiful fig roll looks like. Is as there well. such a thing? I'm yes. not sure there is such a thing. I, I mean, the, the one, the exemplary ones that they always have in in the judges' tent, they did look absolutely lovely. Did but they didn't look particularly like fig rolls. Normally, fig rolls, if you buy the the kind of shop bought fig rolls, they're much much flatter. Yes, they are. Yeah. And although it said to put a fork on top to press them down a little bit, you know, the, it had only been done very very delicately. Yeah. Very delicately. Um, Alice came first uh, with David second, but you know, Alice was you know the good colour. They were identical. Um, we mentioned in episode one how even before. That the bookmakers had seen a moment of this year's series, had installed her as favourite, and uh, yeah, it was a, a fairly uh, imp- impressive technical challenge for her, Howard. Yes, it was. I, th- I think Alice really started to show that she's. Um, I think she was surprised. I mean, I think people are always surprised when they they get you know um, high up in the technical challenge. It's quite interesting. I remember that um, when I did, I think the first technical challenge. You are literally waiting for for your uh, you know for your number to be read out, and these you know these and you think when when is it me yes. you know you think have they forgotten mine because you can't believe that you've got so high up. They really are done blind, aren't they? There's oh yeah, no, there's absolutely. no element that they might know. No, no, and and although you might try and guess what what they are, I remember there was one occasion where we saw some cream cheese going into the tent, and we thought, oh, it's going to be cheesecake this week with a technical challenge, and it was nothing like that. So I think they were probably just a cruise sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> just playing mind games on you um, finally the showstopper this week the, the challenge was to make an edible masterpiece of a 3D biscuit sculpture looking for you know some really Im- impressive pieces of work that were done there Jane well, I thought they did some stunning absolutely stunning sculptures I mean I just, there were several that I could um, name I mean the lamb again back to Alice the lamb in the pen was so clever putting those macaroons on I thought it was so clever David's was brilliant um, I mean I, I could go on I don't want to really single out any of them the one I did feel really sorry for actually was Amelia's because she numbered swimming these with dolphins. things yes the swimming with dolphins because they said they wanted to a, a sculpture. Now, if you're baking a biscuit and and you want it to be 3D and you're modelling it out of clay, it's really hard to bake that. So a mm. lot of them assembled their biscuits. Now, poor old Amelia had numbered her biscuits, which was very precise of her, and then put them together. And then she was criticised for it, for, for assembling but then somebody else came up and they'd got assembled biscuits and, and they weren't criticised. So I thought she got a bit of a hard time the, about that. This was Paul having a go at what he, he called stacking. Yes, what he called stacking. Because he said he wanted to see the dough as if it was clay. Yes, and I don't think it, 
anybody did that. You'd never have got it baked. No, I think um, the only time was if they'd done it within kind of moulds almost, you know, sort of half bowls, yes. like the body of the, the chicken and the lamb and things like that. But there were still elements of individual biscuits being yes. glued together. I mean, the cat they? was glued together. The yeah. ginger cat, which I thought was absolutely charming. I thought it was a lovely idea, but there were tubes of brandy snaps there was a tube of a body it was all stuck together in different ways and i just thought she i thought amelia got hard press on on that one they um, saved the uh, spider um helen the spider to be the last one that was brought up for for feedback how is it fair to say it was probably the most impressive sculpture of those that were sort of put forward or one of I think it was. I think it it was. Uh, I, I think I've got a little bit of a gripe about this spider, though. I think, oh, have you? <laughs> no, because it was. She'd you. She'd come up with this um, idea of of putting Earl Grey tea out of a tea bag and mixing that into the uh, the biscuit mix, and Prue said it was very original, and uh, Paul nodded. And it just made me think, do you know, you've forgotten that I did that for my biscuit. Oh, town. Howard. Yeah. They'd forgotten about They've you. Forgotten right about in, me Howard. Already. You tell them. <laughs> we will be tweeting uh, Paul to uh, to let him know that he forgot it. Um, was there anything else that, that caught your eye from these uh, these showstoppers, Jane? There were a couple of dragons. Two... Oh, there were a couple of dragons and a chicken. I mean, there were a lot of, had a lot of animals. Yes. I mean, the dragons, um, I think it was Priya's dragon, was a, described as a work of art. Yeah, astonishing. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, fantastic. The the chicken. Oh, my goodness me. That chicken. How many biscuits? 212 individual biscuits she made that chicken out of. They're, they're absolutely beautiful. I mean, I really feel bad about picking out anybody's because, you know, Mich- Michelle did a dragon. It was told it was a bit clumsy, but I thought it looked beautiful. I just... Maybe Jamie's guitar was a bit simplistic. And and we had an awful lot of innuendo about Henry's organ. Yes. Again. Uh, It's almost like they're trying hard for the innuendo. I think it happens naturally, to be honest. I'm Um, not sure he understood the innuendo as he was telling the Henry about it. Bless him. I'm not sure. I I feel bad. but I mean, he's 20. I feel bad even commenting on it because he seems so young. (laughs) I mean, you know... And I, I thought they did. I thought they all did an absolutely stunning job. I'd have been proud turning out. This obviously is the the Henry fan club, and we should mention he wore a tie, which was an absolute touch. How did you, you ever get close to wearing a tie in the tent? No, not at all. I mean, I, the first couple of weeks, it's definitely it's definitely chilly. I, I did invest in some thermal underwear for the first week, <laughs> but no, not a tie. And um, I think. Um, after that, when it starts to warm up a bit, it, it you wouldn't want to wear one, would you? We've got a few minutes left. We've got a segment of the show. Uh, we're calling it Self-Raising Selfies. This is where we want to hear your stories about when you've met a former Bake Off star. Email us in, thebakedown at bakewithalegend.com. You can tweet us at bakewithalegend. Um, Howard, I want to draw your attention to this one. Uh, Robin Davies has been in touch on email. I met Howard at the Ludlow Food Festival. He had just finished his demonstration, purchased his book, um, which I asked to get signed. He signed it Robin, R-O-B-I-N. I didn't have the heart to tell him, but it upsets me every time I see it. My name is R-O-B-Y-N. Oh, that's oh, awful. Howard. Howard, how did you make such an error? I don't know. 
I do, do you know, I almost put the wrong wrong year on to, when somebody said, could you date it? I think after you've well, been someone doing... Someone asked you to date your autograph? Yeah. Somebody, That's an unusual request. It is an unusual request. And I, I, I couldn't even remember what year it was. It was dreadful. If you've been doing demos, sometimes you're not concentrating on, on things. But I have to say, if Robin wants another book, I would happily... I am doing Ludlow again this year, but I'm ha- I would happily send you one that, that's written... Properly. Written correctly. Oh, yeah. that's fantastic. Well, Robin, we'll get back in touch and we'll arrange that. The other comment we had in this week was from Millie Rogers. She said, during the 2014 series of Bake Off, I was in Costa and Mill Hill in London when in walked Richard Burr. Must have been four or five weeks into the series. He'd just been made star baker for the second time. I told him I thought he was amazing and I hoped he would win. Slightly starstruck, I asked if he'd sign my coffee cup, which he gladly <laughs> obliged. Sadly, I lost the coffee cup when I was moving house, but he was a very nice man. I'll always remember that, which is a lovely moment. Jane, what was the most unusual? thing you've been asked to sign oh i haven't been asked to sign anything unusual but i will have a story about signing things incorrectly when we did our book signing at the end of our final so as andrew candice and i and andrew wouldn't trust us to write their names so he'd be at the front of so he'd write you know to howard and then we'd just go love candice love jane well we used to get some coming down that had cross outs because he got the name completely wrong oh, no. that's fantastic um, but no I've, I've only been asked to sign books and and occasionally uh a, a program for whatever it is that I'm working at. No, fortunately, nothing, nothing when out I of the ordinary. Was in Waitrose once. It was shortly after the the episode where my custard had been used by somebody else, and somebody asked me to sign a packet of trifle sponges. For <laughs> oh, that's a nice, that's yeah. a nice moment. I hope they've still got them somewhere. I hope so. It's time for Howard's Hump. So, Howard, as with last week, wants to know something that gave you the hump from this week's episode. It's not a hump as such with this episode. It's just the fact that we were told that in our year, and I think you were the same, Jane, that you couldn't use sort of moulds for things. And I think they've become much more relaxed about that. So we've got Helena's um, witch's fingers, which were actually done directly into a, a shop-bought mould, weren't they? Mm, um, yeah. And I'm not convinced that Jamie had actually made his guitar um, mould. But uh, So I think, it, in a way, it's, it's, it's a hump with the fact that we couldn't do that. But actually, how sensible to be able to have, have relaxed the rules a little bit. Um, and people can now use shop-bought fondant and moulds, which is what we all do in baking. Really. Yeah, I, I agree with Howard. We were the same. We weren't allowed to use any shop-bought cutters or if we were using fondant, we had to make our own. And interestingly, back at the last Christmas special, the two of us, Andrew and I, were making our own fondant and making our own moulds and making our own cutters and then Liam and Flo weren't. And I think, I agree with Howard, I think that's not a test of your baking by having to make that. We all buy it. Um, That's not what they should be focusing on, whether we've used a shop-bought cutter. It's how we use it and how we bake. So Jane and I demand to be allowed back in the tent to have another go. Mm, on the yeah. rules that they now have. Yes, I think so. I think <laughs> Howard and I are the first ones to sign up for that. So it's time for Judge Jane, the point in the podcast where we want to know your opinion on whether the star baker and the person who left was the right decision. Did Paul and Prue get it correct? So, star baker, Alice got the nod, Jane. Was that fair? 
Yes, I, I think it was fair. I mean, she seemed to do really well on all three challenges. Obviously, she won the technical. Her honeycomb peanut mallow bars were described as identical, nicely made and delicious. Well, obviously, we can't taste, but they looked pretty good to me. And I just loved her lamb in a pen. I thought it was the cutest thing. And to make all those macaroons as well, or macaron, um, I, I thought Rosie gave her a good run for her money because I her chicken was fantastic but i think i think alice just edged it so yeah happy with that decision and of course we we were 13 at the beginning then we were 12 after dan departed last week now it's only 11 jamie was possibly lucky to stay in the competition last week but his his luck ran out this time um yes sadly his luck ran out i i thought jamie was a joy to have on the program as as all of them are and it's it's always tough to really lose somebody what has impressed me so much is how much when they've had a disaster they keep smiling and jamie smiled all the way through it um i i should be sad to see him go but i think to be fair you know each challenge he didn't do very well i i mean i wrote oh dear (laughs) <laughs> for his signature. Not a good sign. Which is not a good sign. Um, 11th in technical. 11th in technical. Um, I didn't think they looked that bad. It just shouldn't have been egg washed. Um, but the the guitar for his showstopper just didn't really come up to scratch. So very sorry to see him go. Yeah, very likeable. But, oh, uh, incredibly likeable. And we, I'm sure everybody will miss him. But I'm afraid it, it was his time. We'll wrap up here. It's been a wonderful second episode of Bake Off and we all thoroughly enjoyed watching it. Do remember to continue to get in touch with us at the Bakedown at bakewithalegend.com. You can tweet us at bakewithalegend. And remember, do head to bakewithalegend.com forward slash the Bakedown to win a chance for you and a friend to come to Ian Cummings' class with us in London on the 14th of September. Jane Howard, thanks so much for being with us. It's been a real pleasure and uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you very much.